what is this puberty thing? Like, and he had all this hair. It was like, oh my god! And he said, "Why did you say oh my god?" And I said, "Because oh my god, that wasn't there last week." And then at ten and a half, she got her first period, which was quite a surprise for me because I was a very late developer and I thought she would be too. Welcome to Planet Puberty, where we launch into the mood swing Milky Way, float by the B.O. black hole, and gaze with wonder at the menstruation constellation. Puberty can be a tough time for all young people, but for kids with intellectual disability and autism, it can be even harder for both them and their parents and carers. Each episode, we try to make puberty less of a bumpy ride by chatting to parents and carers about their experience of supporting a child with disability through puberty. We also talk with professionals about tips and tricks you can use to help you and your child navigate this new world. My name is Katie and I will be your guide as each episode we delve into a new and exciting puberty topic. This episode, we're talking about hygiene. We chat with Catherine about her experience of supporting her son with his hygiene and how puberty has impacted this. We also talk with psychologist Zoe Semler from Family Planning New South Wales. Zoe will be answering hygiene-related questions sent in by parents and carers from all over the country. But first, let's hear from Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Katie. We're really happy to have you talking with us today. Uh, Would you like to kick us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes, sure. Um, Look, um, I've got a 13-year-old son with autism. Um, I'm happily married and I've got um, a beautiful daughter who's uh, 20 and um, I actually work full-time. I had a 30-year career in stockbroking and I had a change um, when I was about 50 and I moved um, to a local school, which has been absolutely fabulous. Um, unfortunately, with the 30-year career, that came to a bit of a head because I was working 7am till uh, midnight uh, in that last year that I finished broking, which had a great impact on my family. Um, I would come home stressed, tired, Um, unable to deal with our son's meltdowns, which added fuel to the fire. Yeah, 7am to to midnight, that is some pretty crazy hours right there. (laughs) Yes, yeah, and unfortunately the company that I worked for didn't understand. They didn't base um, any of the job description around family values, let alone what I was dealing with at home. Yeah, I can imagine that could be quite, quite challenging. That would have been another another layer of stress for you on top of an already pretty stressful situation. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and today we're getting you on to talk a little bit about puberty. Um, do you remember when your when you first noticed that your son had had started puberty? Yes, his voice actually got deeper, and that actually happened over a couple of months. And the other thing was when he was having a shower. Um, he needed help drying himself. So I generally do his back and uh, things like that because he can't get to certain places. And then 
unfortunately, he turned around and I went, oh, my God. And he goes, why would you say, oh, my God? And I said, I just couldn't help it. I looked down and he'd gone from basically nothing into a man, seriously, overnight. It was such a shock because there was nothing there, literally, I swear, the week before. And then suddenly we've got um, a large penis and his balls had dropped and he had all this hair. It was like, oh, my God. And he said, why would you say, oh, my God? And I said, because, oh, my God, that wasn't there last week. (laughs) (laughs) Jim, the funny thing is we actually hear um, that from a lot of parents and carers Mm. that, you know, the, the change just happened overnight. Like, you know, yes. they it, it was they were their little their little kid one moment, and then all of a sudden they weren't. And I suppose as well, it's I'm I wasn't sure whether because our son's got autism, would he if he's delayed in everything else, is he going to be delayed in puberty? But no, that was just one thing that just wasn't delayed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what about the hygiene side of puberty? We often hear from parents of boys in particular that BO can be one of the first things that they notice. Uh, Yes, it basically happened with um, sort of he'd play sport during the day and I would say to him, oh, my gosh, what's that smell? And, of course, it wasn't him. It was always the dog. Um, And we encouraged him to start wearing deodorant like our dad did. So we actually showed him... Um, dad's deodorant we made a positive experience out of it wow you're turning into a man look um, you're going to wear deodorant like um, dad does the thing is though with the sensory issues we had to be careful whether it was a spray or a roll-on and so we took the roll-on option for the sensory issue rather than the the spray because it's actually quite a cutting feeling when you actually spray it on yourself and the thing is we let him choose it. So rather than saying, you've got to have this and it causes a meltdown, we say, oh, which which deodorant do you want to use and, oh, this is a big boys or whatever, just get him to choose it and go for the sports ones if you can. But, you know, basically any deodorant is is good. Yes, definitely. Um, and, you know, you talked about first noticing the, the start of body odour with um, your son, starting puberty um was this something that you sort of felt gradually happened or was it something that you sort of thought happened overnight the um this the body odor I think was happening for a while I chose really to ignore it for um a couple of months but then it really got to that bad bo smell and I thought no hang on we've got to do something and you know there was a couple of reasons um for hygiene but uh, not only that, but also because of I was worried he was going to get picked on as a smelly kid in the schoolyard. Yeah, I think that's a big concern for a lot of parents um, is that, you know, are, are they going to get teased at school because because they're smelly? Um, which, I mean, if you've ever been in a classroom full of teenage boys, it's definitely a, a smelly experience. Um. <laughs> yes, I know. And I guess on the other side of things, you know, there's deodorant's important, but there's also, you know, showering. Was that mm. a tricky thing to encourage your son to do on a more regular basis? How did you guys manage that? Uh, it is and it still is. Um, because of the sensory issues, I don't know whether it's the water, 
um, or the, the toweling afterwards, he finds it very difficult to want to have a shower. So it's normally involves a bribe or it's a discussion or an email with a teacher. So basically it's all about the preparation and organising our son to actually have a shower. So, okay, so you email the teacher um, just to let you know if you could just tell our son to have a shower tonight, that would be great. And normally there's no problem um, because with these kids, they normally are the perfect child at school. Um, They will listen to what the teacher says. And as soon as he walks in the door, he'll go, teacher said, I need to have a shower. So, okay, let's get in the shower and let's have a shower. Unfortunately, um, we have issues washing ourselves so that we can't get into a lot of the cracks and crannies because Um, our son is actually quite big so all those parts that need to be washed um, regularly and thoroughly um, he actually needs help with so um, uh, my husband actually tries to not to show him how to do it or we actually have a social story and that's provided by uh, the speech therapist or um, we've got a behavioral therapist at the moment who has given us a great um visual booklet on um, puberty. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fantastic that the school is willing to sort of help um, play a role in your son's um, development in that area. I think that's wonderful that you have that support Mm. from school as well. Um, Mm. And what about when it's not a school day? Are are there other ways that you encourage him to have a shower? Uh, Bribes. (laughs) So, Basically, whatever works. So, for example, on a Saturday, it's the routine. So every Saturday he goes to iPlay or to Time Zone. So before that, he has to have a shower or whatever we need to get him to do, uh, whether it be shower, homework, uh, take out the garbage, make the bed. Uh, that's all t- done before Time Zone because you've actually got some some um, leeway with that. So. Um, you say, okay, so we need to have a shower before we go to time zone. Okay, that's no problem. And then um, whatever you say that he's got to do, he will do if it involves a bribe basically. Or um, generally if he's not doing anything and say, for example, it's a weekday and we haven't advised a teacher, he'll go maybe tomorrow. So to avoid the meltdown, you go, okay, so maybe tomorrow and then you send the email to the teacher. Okay, all right. So you've got a few different strategies to put in place. Yes, yeah. I mean, and you say bribe, but I say I would say that's um, sort of learning the consequences of your actions as well. You know, if you don't do one thing that you're supposed to do, that might mean that you can't do something fun later on. Mm, That's exactly right. And at the end of the day with these kids, you've got to do whatever works and works for your family and, you know, some some of the times it's very hard to discipline these kids, if at all, and there's always, there's got to be a different way of actually saying no but without using the word and that's sort of sometimes quite difficult. Absolutely. Uh, and you've spoken a little bit about your son's relationship with his father and how his dad's sort of done a little bit of like modelling work with him with the showering and things like that. Um, have you done any work around um, shaving and, and facial hair or is your son not quite at the facial hair stage yet? Uh, look, he's got his, the pores are actually starting to widen and he has got a bit of fluff around um, the chin area. We have 
um, practiced that about a year ago whereby he was watching dad shave and then he actually wanted to mirror what dad was doing. So he got out the foam and we made a big deal out of it. We said, oh, look, you look like Santa. And then he wanted to use a razor, but we kept the plastic on it so he wouldn't cut himself. Um, so we actually took the foam off with the shaver and the plastic um, bit on it, which was a bit of fun. Uh, however, when we get to that stage where we actually have real whiskers, um, we're actually going to have to show him and help him that he how to use the razor without cutting himself because I think once he cuts himself, I think that will be the end of it. And he has a sensory issues around the clippers, so um, we, we can't use clippers and we found that out when he was trying to have a haircut. Um, the lady got the clippers out and he just ran out of the salon and he ended up having a bob and it took us about two hours to get him back to the hairdresser so we won't be going down the, the clipper um, road. And, you know, with the shaving, so the clippers aren't an option, um, do you think that when it comes time to, to do the shaving that that might be something that the OT can help you with? Uh, yes, she may be able to help us um, by doing maybe a visual story. However, we do have a behavioural therapist. He's actually got a beard and he may actually be able to demonstrate to our son how to use the shaver or he might be able to do it on himself and then make it a game for our son so that they both do that together and he can actually show him how to use it. Okay, yeah. So that could be another option to sort of help transition into that slightly tricky personal hygiene area. Yes, yep, absolutely. So has hygiene just become part of the routine for your son or is this something that you're needing to continually work on? No, the hygiene is now part of the routine. So in the morning he sits down for breakfast and then, then when he's about to go to school it's like you need to brush your teeth, make sure you've got deodorant and then just a, and comb your hair and things like that, just the general hygiene things. He does it but he still needs to be reminded in the morning. So, um, yeah, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, I think my brother needed to be reminded to clean his teeth until he was about 17 <laughs> years old. So <laughs> I, I think that's fairly, fairly common. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and before I let you go, Catherine, was there anything else you wanted to mention um, to other parents that you think is important about, you know, supporting your, your child with hygiene and with puberty? Um, I think if you... You need to sort of take the time, whether it be on the weekend, five minutes, when they're having a shower, when it's generally part of their routine, um, to basically work with them, work with what they want, not with what you want, so to avoid a meltdown. And it's really important, important as a family unit that you work on this together and work as a team and just give these kids the support that they need because, you know, it is difficult for them. They're coming into our world. So we both, we both on both sides, we need to work together on this. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Catherine. It's been wonderful to hear about yours and your family's experience of, of supporting your son with puberty. And thank you so much. Thanks, Katie. When it comes to hygiene and puberty, many parents and carers have concerns about how to introduce new skills to their child to support them to keep their bodies clean and healthy. 
They might be worried about teaching their child to shower more often, how to wear deodorant, or how to support them to care for their skin as pimples and acne start to develop. To alleviate some of these worries, we chatted to psychologist Zoe Semler from Family Planning New South Wales Disability and Sexuality Service. Her work at the service includes supporting people with intellectual disability and autism with relationships and sexuality across the lifespan. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you, Katie. We're really happy to have you on the show today. And we've got a question sent to us from Marie from WA. And Marie has said, uh, my child has started to be a bit smelly, uh, as we know, generally happens around puberty. Uh, His brother and sister are complaining that he smells and I worry that he's getting teased at school because of it. I try to encourage him to shower every day, but he hates it. How do I get him to shower more often? feel like this is a question that a lot of parents and carers have. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. And it's such a common problem and, and um, can feel quite tricky. I guess I would start with looking at what is your child's routine around showering. Uh, try to make that as predictable as possible. Um, so that kind of the expectation is I shower at this time of day. And looking at all the different steps that come into to showering as well. There can often be some areas to educate and build skills for your child's independence in showering. And, you know, that can be done in some different sort of creative ways as well, depending on on each child's needs and what those barriers are to to jumping in the shower and and, and caring for their, their bodies through washing. You know, it could be maybe a sensory barrier. So are there some scented washes or the texture of the washes that, that are a bit, you know, not your child's sort of preference or are there, you know, particular skills that they're struggling with in having a shower? If it's a sensory thing, you could look at increasing your child's sort of choice and control around that by just, you know, when you're doing the shopping, maybe taking your child with you and having them have a a look and a smell at some of the different body washes and things available that might help incentivize them to be washing in the shower. Yeah, absolutely. And if we Look at the brother and sister aspect of this question. I guess that starts to introduce that sort of concept of um, the social motivations behind showering and how, you know, some children with disability might struggle with understanding that social motivation. Yes. So some of our young people struggle to really take that perspective of the other person and understand, you know, that that the other person has a different experience to what they're having. So, you know, a really important part of, of self-care and washing and drying ourselves so that we smell nice is for the um, people around us that that's a more pleasant experience. So there's a couple of good things there that might be nice to have family chat around is what these comments are that are being made. If they're a bit unkind, maybe just, you know, educating the the siblings on on that being, you know, mean and and not to be saying those things that way, that that these are things that we're working on, but also helping your child to understand that um, they're saying saying that because um, it can be, you know, uncomfortable for other people when when we're starting to smell and that smelling's a really, you know, it's a a normal part of growing up that everyone, their body starts to get sweatier and smellier, which just means we need to build those skills to, to care for ourselves a bit more as we get older. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if anybody's going to tell you outright that you smell, it's definitely going to be your brother and your sister for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, that is a great answer for that question, Zoe. Um, So we might move on to the next one. 
So our next question we have is from Izzy from New South Wales. Um, Izzy has said, I help my child with their personal care, so showering, toileting, cleaning their teeth. Um, This hasn't been a problem, but recently I noticed that they have started to grow pubic hair. Should I be encouraging him to do more of this by himself now that he is older? I think when we're looking at supporting a young person with their personal care needs, looking at your child's needs, what are you currently stepping in to help them do? So one thing that I like to work with families is on is the house rules around, you know, our public and private behaviours. We know that, you know, children and people with disability may need support in some areas, some um, helping care touch around their personal care. So how can we do that in a really respectful way that's appropriate for that person and increases their sense of privacy and their confidence in the things that they can do on their own? So there, you know, really isn't a hard and fast rule around these things. I think it sounds like because you've noticed that they're they're growing up, it's come onto the radar of, oh, maybe there are some ways that I could step back and give my child a little bit more privacy. So just walking through what are the things that my child's able to do on their own now and what are some skills that I can help them build and where... um, where do they need me to step in? So I know a lot of parents that their children are, are fairly independent with their self-care but um, still sort of need mum or dad's help to, you know, wash their hair, for example. So, you know, mum and dad will close the, the shower curtain and give the child privacy to do all the things that they're able to do. And then just that check-in of can I come in now and wash your hair and just walking a child through and popping the uh, shampoo and we're rinsing it off, making sure you don't get in your eyes, just sort of uh, explaining those steps to to set up for maybe uh, if they are able to, to learn those things themselves and just giving it more um, privacy and permission around the self-care that we are providing. So again, it's different for each person's needs and each you know family and care is sort of set up. Um, but it is a really good question because it brings about some of those um, questions around, well, you know, my young person is growing up, um, they're going to need an increased sense of of privacy. It's really important that they understand what things are public and private and who can help with personal care. So, yeah, really good conversations to start having and there's lots of different ways we can look at sort of changing those things to increase their skills and privacy. Yeah, and we get this question a lot in a lot of the community education sessions that we do with parents and carers, Mm though. And one of the questions that often comes alongside this is, you know, when is when is it the right time? So what age should I be starting to increase my child's independence um, and how, like what is that very first step that I can mm. do to start that process? I think as, as early as possible. I think it's a really uh, positive thing. And you could just start with, um, you know, what, like talking aloud through the steps with your child so they understand all the different parts that are in, involved in, in washing themselves and, you know, encouraging them to start to do little bits and pieces like, okay, you can have the cloth now and just wash under your your armpits or I think as, as early as, as possible to start um, teaching those things is, is great. Okay, that was fantastic, Zoe. Thank you for answering that question. So we have this question from Mary in Tasmania. 
So Mary has sent through a question and she says, my son has started getting erections when I help him shower. I don't want to shame him, but it also makes me feel uncomfortable. What do I do? Bit of a tough one there, Zoe. Okay. Thank you, Mary, for sending that in. It is a really common question that I'm asked around uh, supporting uh, particularly young boys uh, with understanding and managing erections because it is something that's often not really explained, you know, in, in concrete terms for, for young boys to, to understand and also, I guess, prepare for. So I would say starting the discussions and, and education, you know, fairly young to say these are the changes we can expect as we go through puberty. And one of those is that, you know, you can experience erections and they can happen fairly sporadically and, you know, that it's okay when it happens that we can place our hands by our side and if we don't touch our penis, the erection will go away to sort of uh, increase their confidence there that that they do have a bit of control because it can be a really confronting and uh, embarrassing experience if, if children aren't prepared for that. So I guess another important thing um, in that question, Mary, was around, you know, not wanting to, to shame your son around his sexuality. And it's great that you've got that insight that you, that you don't want to be approaching sexuality and, and these things with um, a negative perspective, which is great because we know that it is a really healthy, normal part of growing up. Keeping in mind that they are uh, really normal and sporadic and um, they can happen for a number of reasons. We want to be careful not to sort of think of our own um, sort of causes and reasons for this. And then the other side of things is, you know, tuning into to parents and carers' own experiences. If there's things that are making you uncomfortable, maybe that's um, a good opportunity to look at, again, those house rules and supporting your child's independence and self-care. Are there some things that your child could be doing independently of you in the shower so that you're not there as often and it is a bit more of a private activity, which naturally flows into the other uh, important piece I would add, which is about educating about masturbation. Um, so helping uh, your child understand that masturbation is is normal and healthy, but it's a private behavior. So your bedroom's a private place with the door closed. Um, that's where it's okay for people to masturbate and depending on your child's needs, going through those steps of how to how to do so in a safe and hygienic way. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to highlight that it's okay to feel uncomfortable in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a really good point, Katie. These things can, um, can be a bit confronting and that's okay. We're all human beings doing the best that we can. Um, so maybe it's taking a, a moment to have a breather if you need to, to be able to sort of respond calmly and think, okay, what do I need to do here? Yeah, absolutely. So our next question is from Annabelle. Um, Annabelle says, as a single mum, I would appreciate some guidance on how to teach my son to wash his penis. How do I teach him to wash under his foreskin? Great question, Annabelle. And again, teaching our kids about caring for their bodies as, you know, as as young as possible is really great. There's lots of great sort of picture books and things that can help parents have that conversation that sort of show how to care for your penis and, and about cleaning the foreskin and those sorts of things. And I guess, you know, Annabelle had mentioned around being a single parent and, and having, I guess, a, a child of, of the opposite 
um, sex. Maybe there's some uh, some worry there about how do I approach this. But again, I think providing the education is really important. If you can find some great resources that Katie might have some some good examples for us. I know the Special Boys Business book um, has a great sort of social story around those things. But yeah, you you uh, don't need to be the same sex to be able to to provide that um, education and support. Yeah, absolutely, Zoe. So there are a few resources out there and the Planet Puberty website actually has some great information on how to clean a penis. So both uh, gives examples of how to clean an uncircumcised penis and a circumcised penis um, in the process of um, with uh, retracting a foreskin. Um, and I guess also thinking about keeping it as simple as possible. So there's not really any need to use soap uh, when you're cleaning a penis. So you could really just use a hand and some warm water. Um, or if you want, you could use a washcloth if things are a bit sticky. Um, Zoe, did you have anything to add to that practical side of things? No, I think those are some really great suggestions. I guess the other thing is just that, you know, Annabelle mentioned uh, being a single mom and there's lots of uh, parents that and carers um, that have, you know, different equipment that they're used to to cleaning and caring for than their child. Um, and I just wanted to reassure you, Annabelle, that that doesn't uh, mean that you're any less able to grab some of these resources and, and sit down and teach your child about um, caring for their bodies and that, yeah, I've supported quite a few, yeah, parents and carers uh, with the similar sorts of thoughts and, and concerns that you've raised. So you're definitely not alone in that, but I would strongly recommend having a look at the uh, Planet Puberty resources to sort of guide you in having some of those discussions and using some of those visuals that we'd mentioned before and that will be included in some of the resources at the end of the podcast to help you uh, have those educational chats with your child. Definitely. And I guess just one final point is if you're not sure, you can always go and talk to your GP. Um, you know, you might be a little bit concerned about um, teaching your child to retract mm. their foreskin or if you're needing to help your child retract their foreskin, um, you know, if you're, if you're worried about it, definitely just make an appointment with your GP and they should be able to help you out. All right, so our final question for today, Zoe, is from Gary uh, in Victoria. And Gary has said, I have noticed that my daughter has started getting a lot of pimples on her face and back. She scratches and picks at them and I'm worried that they will get sore or leave scars. How can I teach her to take care of her skin? Yeah, great question, Gary. And we know uh, ourselves when uh, our skin's itchy, it's very tricky not to, to jump in and scratch. So, yeah, I guess it depends on, again, why your child's picking it at their pimples and scratching them. So I think just in general trying to teach that uh, frustration management and, and to maybe start rubbing rubbing the skin if it's itchy instead of um, scratching or picking, maybe finding some putty or sensory things that your child can um, can rub or pick at if they're feeling very tempted to, to pick at their skin because there can be a couple of different reasons um, why that might be happening. And again, if, if, they, if the pimples are quite severe, uh, it could be helpful to go and have a chat to your doctor or your pharmacist around some, you know, medications or creams that might be able to help 
uh, with managing that as well. But yeah, from that sort of behavioural perspective, thinking about what might be going on for your child and and how to then address helping them to to not engage in, in the picking. And as far as sort of teaching those practical skills of learning to say wash your face and put moisturiser and sunscreen on and things like that, so is there anything you would suggest? Yeah, I would I would say just sort of taking the time outside of, you know, often families and um, homes have quite a hectic schedule in the morning, for example, um, when everyone's getting getting ready to go. So maybe cho- choosing a, a more relaxed sort of Sunday afternoon or when you've both got, got time to sit down to walk through how we wash our face, what we use, walking through that routine at a really nice slow pace when you've both got the time to do it as stress-free as possible um, could be a sort of, yeah, a helpful starting point. Mm, definitely. And I know a few parents have <laughs> taken advantage of older siblings and sort of used um, the older sibling as a modelling example of how to wash a face um, or even uh, if, they've, if they have a nice fancy bathroom with two vanities, they've um, set aside a time to wash their face at the same time as their child so that it becomes sort of a more fun social interaction as well. Yeah, that's a, a great idea. Yeah, if there is um, a sibling or someone else in the house, that can be a great opportunity. And again, even, you know, if you've got the space and got some towels to to manage the mess, you could probably share the sink and um, and go through those steps together. So, yeah, no, I really like that that idea of, of walking through it, uh, actually showing them and doing it uh, with them. Okay. Well, that's all we have time for today, Zoe. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me and um, thank you to all the parents that have sent in questions. We hope that you have found this helpful. Thank you for joining us on Planet Puberty as we explored the weird, wonderful and sometimes smelly world of hygiene with Catherine and Zoe. We hope that the stories, information and advice that they shared help you to navigate puberty with your child. All resources and services mentioned in this episode are included in the show notes. You can find them at planetpuberty.org.au forward slash podcasts. Our music is Levels by Ketzer. For further information on hygiene, you can go to the Planet Puberty website, planetpuberty.org.au, or you can email disability at fpnsw.org.au. That's it on Planet Puberty this week. Join us in two weeks as we discuss ways to support your child to learn about masturbation.